the goal of our church and the goal of our pulpit and the goal of your pastor is to preach the whole counsel of God. So in recent weeks, just in the last two weeks, we have covered the Holy Spirit and prayer and spiritual praying from the Bible. And tonight will be a little different. We will deal with a current event in light of Scripture. And I hope that it's helpful to all of you. I want to speak on behalf of our Maker. And I want to defend the Lord our God and help us all have the right attitude about the event that's taken place in Japan. I had another study for this evening that I've had for several weeks. We could have the fans put back on that were turned off instead of the lights. But the Lord changed my mind last evening, and so this is what he has for us tonight. And I hope it will be helpful. What's happened in Japan? An earthquake and a tsunami hit northern Japan, which is a long string of 6,600 islands at the east of Asia. Entire towns were leveled and reduced to kindling. Likely many of you have seen some of those pictures. The death toll as of this afternoon is expected to exceed 25,000 as they found another village where there were 10,000 missing. Millions are without power in freezing weather. It is zero centigrade, 32 Fahrenheit at this time of year in northern Japan. Nuclear reactors that were shaken and broken and have no power running to them are in serious stages of deterioration and could result in spewing a lot of radioactive material into the atmosphere over Japan. That nation is alarmed and fearful and taking the precautions they can. There's been a run on the west coast of the United States on the iodine pills and other means that you can take to protect yourself from exposure to radiation. It's a pretty large event for the year 2011. What happened? A strong earthquake shifted the Earth's crust out in the Pacific next to Japan. Pavement ripped in Tokyo and other places. Shelves emptied as stores were rocked back and forth. Houses fell flat. A wall of water 30 feet high came at 60 miles an hour. That's when it reaches shore. A tsunami wave is very different than wind waves. It only raises itself up one meter. It's only three feet high as it travels across the ocean at 500 miles an hour. As it comes to shore, it then raises itself up higher and it's very, very deep. It doesn't, it's not, it's not coming every hundred feet. It's hundreds of feet. It's miles. Because it's a huge body of water. And it's maybe 60 miles an hour when it's on shore and of size, and a wall of water 30 feet high and coming at 60 miles an hour will pretty much trash everything in front of it. It smashed most everything in its way. And when it receded, it takes stuff and people with it. So the day after, or two days after, the tsunami hit last Friday in Japan, in one particular city, 2,000 bodies washed up on shore. That's how they're trying to get their body count but some of them will never be found. One quarter of the 225,000 that died in the tsunami that hit Indonesia six years ago were never found. That's 50,000 bodies. 
What happened? The death toll is much higher than New Zealand. Remember Christ Church New Zealand was hit a few weeks ago with an earthquake that destroyed valuable parts of its infrastructure in downtown area. But there were few that died compared to the 25,000 they're expecting in Japan. And the death toll is much lower than the 2004 tsunami where a couple hundred thousand died. The death toll is much lower than Haiti just last year where a couple hundred thousand died. But the economic toll will be greater because in Indonesia and Haiti there's nothing to destroy of value except human lives. Japan's the third largest economy in the world and there was a lot of destruction there. This is what an earthquake looks like. Now when you're driving a car and the pavement shifts like that, it's hard to keep your balance. And can you imagine standing or standing on a a balcony and watching that happen to the ground around you. That's the Lord shifting the ground. Just on Sunday we were reading about him opening the earth and swallowing Korah and a bunch of rebels. Well, here's the earthquake and what happened. Now, I don't know how clearly you can see that, but that is a river dividing a city in half and the tsunami has taken care of the left half and it's about to take care of the right half. On the left, all the way out as far as you can see to the left, are trees and houses, except all you can see are a few roofs showing up, because the rest have been washed away. Here is another angle of that tsunami wave coming at you, about to take out those houses in that parking lot. Here's a man walking through his city streets, wondering what happened to the CVS. Look at the acres and acres and acres of kindling and total destruction of a wall of water that is not just a few feet thick like a surfer's wave. It can actually be miles thick. Just a a large wall of water. If you've ever experimented in the bathtub, you know what I'm talking about. If you shift, I don't want to describe it. It's been a long time since I did it with Paul. If you shift your body just right, you can move a large amount of water. This is an airport. This is the Sunday airport. And those planes are not making observation flights over the cars. Those planes are among the cars and a bunch of kindling because when the waters receded and went back out to the Pacific Ocean, they left in a field the cars, the planes, and the pieces of the houses. Once the houses are all ruined with water, seaweed and fish, the stories of finding seaweed in your living room, you know, is interesting, and fish in your bathroom. Then, because there's natural gas, there's oil, there's oil containers, there's gasoline, fires broke out in various places as well. Now, this ferry is going to get a ticket for parking on a two-story building downtown. I hope you can see the size of that ferry taken inland and put on top of a two-story building. Look at the ground around it. Those concrete structures, because they had enough openings, the water could go through the openings and leave the concrete structure. The Japanese use a lot of wood for their construction, and so there's a lot of kindling in some of the pictures. But notice how it has wiped the ground clear 
of the subdivision and city that was there previously. Now, there's a parking lot of cars waiting for export that aren't going to be put on a ship to go anywhere. They're all burned out. They were stacked up and piled up in a pile by the water. You have got to see some of the pictures of semis, lorries, trucks, and cars being treated like bobbers. Just bobbing around. Nothing at all for a two-ton vehicle to just be bobbed around and thrown against buildings. And thousands and thousands of them. This was a pile of brand new cars stacked up, fire breaks out, burns them all up. So all the windows are out and they're burned. Now notice the height of the sludge that is halfway up these vehicles, filled with all the destruction. There's another boat that's in the wrong place. It wanted to go downtown. And so there it is, in a place where it doesn't belong, but that was lifted up, carried inland, even though with a keel that's down there quite a ways, and dumped in there beside a couple houses that made it, and hundreds of houses that didn't. There's a bunch of cars underwater where the water has not receded yet or has been left in a low place. Where is Japan? Now this is a map of the world, and we have a globe here, and our children ought to learn about some of these places to help them in their praying to know where some of these people are that we pray for. There's Malaysia. That's where we'll go in a few months, the Lord willing, to preach the gospel. Hopefully in Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, the capital, and the island of Penang. That's where Scott College lives in New Zealand. Down, actually down under the nation that's called Down Under. Because it's down under so far from the equator, but New Zealand's down below it. There's the Philippine Islands where Brother Arnie Gamalong lives. And there's Japan. Japan looks like that. It's actually 6,600 islands. 6,600 islands. The biggest one is Honshu right there that has Tokyo on it. But you add up all the islands and all the space they have, it's only as big as New Mexico. There's a closer view of the tsunami coming against Sendai in the northern part of Japan. Remember, the northern part of Japan is not far from the Aleutian Islands that tail down from our state of Alaska. It's, it's quite far north, and so it's cold there right now. And there are millions without power, and there's 500,000 without homes. What is Japan like? And I'm sorry for the size of the type again, but I hope you can read it. A population of 126 million, or about 40% of the size of our nation in population, about the size of New Mexico. Most of the land, 73% of it, is totally unusable. For agriculture, livestock, manufacturing, residences, it's just mountains. It's just volcanic mountains. The area has many volcanoes, and earthquakes frequently shake the place. The religion, by their birth certificates and death certificates, they're about 90% Shintoism and 90% Buddhist. And those religions don't conflict with each other because Buddhism will take just about anything and you can still call yourself a Buddhist. But this is only statistically on their certificates of birth and death. Shintoism. It's a worship of ancestors and the culture. 
Shintoism is actually the Japanese worshiping the spirit of the Japanese. It's the, it's the Japanese worshiping their culture. The Japanese worshiping their nation and its history. Along with their specific ancestors. It's an effort to connect with earlier Japanese. Shrines, memorials go back to important past events and there's only 80,000 of them in Japan. It's used mainly for birth and life of the Japanese. They reject Jehovah because of Shintoism has no place for Jehovah, no recognition of Him, the Bible, or Jesus in any respect. Buddhism, it's a profane philosophy of existence from India that rejects the existence of your individual soul as you having a unique existence in the universe. You're just part of it, in their opinion. Reincarnation gives the opportunity for you to break the life and death cycle and find nirvana. And it involves ancestor worship and superstition as well. And it rejects Jehovah our God, the creator of heaven and earth. It rejects the Bible and it rejects Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord of the universe. If you reject Jehovah, the Bible, and the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have anything left. You are living in a spiritual vacuum. So what is Japan like? The statistics I just gave you of 90% Shinto, 90% Buddhist, are only what they write down on certificates. 85% of the Japanese deny any personal religion. 64% deny the existence of any god. 55% deny Buddha, though 90% are Buddhists. Now, how's that for a faith that holds you accountable for a body of doctrine? 99.81% are cremated. That only leaves two a year that get buried. Less than 1% is Christian of any kind. The world ranks it as one of the most secular nations. When the world does its secular survey and says that Japan is one of the most secular nations, it means the most irreligious, ah-religious, humanistic, man-oriented, without any kind of a religion or effort toward worshiping a supreme being. Now, can you tell any difference between this picture which is Haiti voodoo. When the earthquake struck the capital of Haiti, we weren't surprised because the religious combination of that island nation is Roman Catholicism and devil worship. And we weren't surprised when Katrina decided to come ashore at New Orleans because this is a little voodoo shop in New Orleans where there's a lot of black magic and voodoo done in that city. And here's a Japanese shrine. Can you tell the difference? Can you see anything that's enlightening in any of these pictures that maybe they have a knowledge of God? Is there any difference? There isn't any difference. And here's what Paul would have to say. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. That is 1 Corinthians 10, where the apostle tells us 
that the Gentiles, no matter how noble their intentions, no matter how beautiful their religion, and sometimes it's very ugly, like in Haiti and New Orleans, and sometimes it's beautiful like in Japan, it doesn't matter to the God of heaven and his inspired apostle. He said it's devil worship. And children, do not ever think that it's anything less. It doesn't matter how pretty the American war chief was when he had his headdress on of eagle feathers. It doesn't matter how well carved the totem pole is or how beautiful the Buddha is. It's devil worship. It's because the devil has seduced their minds and caused them to worship an image instead of the Lord Jehovah. Do the Japanese know better? Should the Japanese be worshiping Jehovah, the creator of heaven and earth? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Do you believe that? We studied it in detail at the word level when we went through Romans 1. The invisible things of Jehovah God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that a shrine and worshiping ancestors that are corrupting in the ground and having a little temple or an altar to a Buddha does not satisfy the revelation made from creation so that they are without excuse. The Japanese are without excuse. The Bible says they are without excuse for rejecting God, our God, the Creator God. Do the Japanese know better? The heavens declare the glory of God. You look up at a sunrise or see the sun or the moon and the stars, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. We can see God's glory and His creative genius in the things that are seen with our eyes. Day unto day, in verse 2, uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. There's no dialect on earth, and the Japanese language is included, where God does not preach a sermon every single day and every single night. Their line, that is their preaching, Line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, as the Bible describes preaching and teaching. The line of instruction has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The plural pronouns here, there and there, are referring to the heavens. And the day and the night that does the teaching. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. See, the them is being defined by the heavens. The plurality of the heavens, where the sun exists and shines upon us and drives away the darkness of the night. The heavens declare God's glory. They are without excuse. The things are clearly seen and they can understand that there is a God with an eternal power and Godhead. But I want you to notice this last clause. It says that in the heavens, God, our God, has set a place for the sun to run and move. And the next couple of verses describe the son as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, rejoicing to get married to his beautiful bride. Or like a strong man ready to run a race, knowing he can vanquish those poor guys lining up next to him. Because when the sun rises, it doesn't matter how dark the night has been, it is going to drive it away. But notice, God has set the sun 
as the proof that He exists. He preaches to them every day with the Son, the whole earth, and all languages. What does the flag of Japan look like? It looks like that. A sun and a sunburst. Because there is no nation on earth that has a better view of the sun, nor appreciates the sun more, nor is associated with the sun more than Japan is. They have no obstruction to the rising of the sun in the east. Sunsets may be pretty to you, but sunsets don't show much. It is a sunrise that drives away darkness, and the Japanese get to see it every day like no other. And so much so, that is their national emblem. So my question is, do the Japanese understand? Should the Japanese have known? Should they know about our God and their Creator? So the Son proves Jehovah? Psalm 19 said it does, and so does Romans 1.20. What does the Bible say? Worldlings talk about Mother Nature doing the damage in Japan. They talk about coping. I heard and read some statements about how will you cope? Well, we know how to cope. It's by faith and hope in God. Worldlings talk about the poor Japanese and feel sorry for them. But we see the mighty hand of God our Father. And we don't resent or regret something He has chosen to do. We would deal with such an event by faith. That's how we would cope. What does the Bible say? Only the Bible tells us the truth about such events. All human speculation about them is foolish and vain. Human sentimentality, getting teary-eyed about it is not truth, nor is it close to truth. That is not how God reveals things to us. Most of man's science is an anti-God lie. As they talk about the crust of the earth and how it breaks and shifts and moves and the millions of years that it took to make the island of Japan and blah, blah, blah. They don't know what they're talking about. It took six days. And it only took six days is because God wanted to give Japan a seven-day week so that they would have another evidence that God had communicated to them. Do you know that Japan observes a seven-day week? The sun doesn't give you a seven-day week, nor does the moon, nor do any stars, nor do the tides. Nothing gives you a seven-day week except revelation from the Bible. We esteem the Bible and hate all other opinions according to Psalm 119 and 128. God in the oceans. What does the Bible tell us then? If the Bible is the source of truth, what does God say about the oceans? In Job it says, Or who shut up the sea with doors? God is asking, When it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb, When I made the cloud the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors. When God made the oceans, He built bars and doors that will keep that ocean right where He wants it. And said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Job 38. That is God talking to Job about his creation of the oceans. Children, God made all that water. God made the Pacific Ocean, and it never goes one inch farther than he wants it to. 
He has bars and doors upon it. He has a decreed place for it. God in the oceans. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord, and that is the Lord Jehovah our God, our Father, is clothed with strength wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. They worry about the shoreline of Japan moving eight feet. A GPS indicator would now tell you that Japan moved eight feet because of that shift in the earth's crust. But the world is established and it cannot be moved any farther than God's going to move it. God's throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Psalm 93. The Lord reigneth. And we want to worship Him in the majesty that He has clothed Himself with and the strength with which He has clothed Himself. What else does the Bible say about the oceans? Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou coveredst it with the deep as with a garment. It's like God put some play clothes on a doll. Or you were to dress a baby. God covered the deep like he had put a set of clothing on a person. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke, they fled. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. When God spoke, the waters went to wherever he wanted them to go, though at one place they were above the mountain. Well, actually two. In creation they were above the mountains, and in the flood they were above the mountains. And in both times they went where God told them to go. They go up by the mountains, they go down by the valleys. Unto the place which thou hast founded for them. God has a place for the oceans, and they only leave it when he sends them on a mission. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. It's the earth. Psalm 104. I told you I had font problems in the conversion from one Microsoft PowerPoint program to another. God in the oceans. Look at what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he was in the middle of a storm on the Sea of Galilee with his apostles. He saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Notice he doesn't tell them to cope. He says you don't have enough faith. That's how we would deal with a natural disaster, knowing that God was behind it and was directing it with his hands. Then Jesus arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He is able to do that. He can send a storm. He can send a calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? That's the Lord's explanation point, exclamation point from Matthew chapter 8. God and evil like tsunamis. What does the Bible say about God and evil events like tsunamis? In Amos chapter 3 and verse 6, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid? You know, when a warning trumpet sounds in a city in those days, like a siren announcing the coming of an earthquake or a tsunami or a foreign army, 
the people would be afraid. So the next rhetorical question is, shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it? No. It's impossible for there to be trouble or evil in a city, and the Lord hasn't sent it. The evil here is destruction or trouble. Contrary to most opinions, Jehovah sent it. Are there more verses? I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Speaking to Israel, he said, I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Actually speaking to Cyrus the Persian right here. That they may know from the rising of the sun. I find that clause most interesting. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west, which is where we're located relative to Persia, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And the evil here is not sin or wickedness. The evil is trouble or destruction. The evil here is destruction, trouble. It's contrary to most Christians' opinions, but Jehovah created that evil. God and shipwrecks. Psalm 48 says, Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. The Lord does. The Lord Jehovah said this, we believe it. Japan rejects Jehovah and His worship. Jehovah and Jesus Christ breaks their ships and parks them inland on top of buildings. What about God and secular nations? Since the world itself says that Japan is one of the most secular or God-denying, no-religion nations on earth. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. We believe that. The Lord Jehovah said it. We believe it. This is what the Bible says. Japan rejects Jehovah and His worship. Jehovah and Jesus Christ control the oceans. And so they have spanked, seriously, in the last five days the nation of Japan, for rejecting them. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. This is the prayer of the sweet psalmist of Israel, David. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. And they are finding that out. Their preparations and their seawalls were not enough, not nearly enough, for this earthquake and tsunami. The Lord Jehovah said this, we believe it. Japan rejects Jehovah and His worship. Jehovah and Jesus Christ control the oceans and have sent them against that nation. Now who are these two? That's Jack Van Empey and his wife Rexella. And there's J.V.I. on the front of their bar there that they're sitting behind. Jack Van Empey Ministries. Now I have a little conversation here between Jack and Rexella, just like they do every night on television as they open the paper and try to find some verse in the Bible that they can twist and corrupt to fit some current event in the Detroit Free Press. They are... Their office was one mile from my office when I worked for Michigan National Bank of Detroit out in their Troy offices. 
So are you ready? What we just did so far, we looked at the tsunami and saw the destruction. We looked at the Word of God and saw that the oceans are under the Lord's control. And we looked at nations that forget God. He's going to turn them into hell. And He has just done that. And we stop there. We do not dance on the edge of Japan or go home and shout for glee about what's happened to them like Miriam did in all of Exodus chapter 15 because those was a, that was a specific enemy of that nation, Egypt, to whom they had just been slaves for a hundred years. And second, in the Old Testament, God dealt with only one nation, Israel. In the New Testament, He has His elect in all nations. And the gospel goes to all nations. And it has gone to all nations. So, we are not rejoicing with glee, but we are worshiping a great and glorious God, and we are not confused as to why such events take place, and we can see the evidence sufficiently clear that Japan deserved what it got, and it deserves worse, and it will get worse in the great day of judgment. That is our God. He created us, and we owe Him everything. They give Him nothing. They worship ancestors instead of Jehovah. Do you know what an ancestor's name is? I was what my daddy who was named. Instead of I am that I am. That's horrible blasphemy. But now I want to shift for just a moment. There is so much confusion in Christian circles about Bible prophecy. They see an event like this little tsunami. These tsunamis have happened to Japan since Japan's been there. They're right next to a fault in the ocean floor. They have volcanic activity constantly on their islands. It's not a surprise. It's happened many times. It's happened three times in the last ten years. But Christians get confused because of Bible passages. And let's take a little run into see Jack and Rexella. Rexella, Jack, viewers want to know, And I want to know all these earthquakes everywhere. Haiti, New Zealand, and now Japan. Does the Bible have anything to say about this? Does it, Jack? What does this mean? Are we close to something really big after all these years? Jack. Rexella, I am so glad you asked, so I didn't have to ask myself. There is something huge. I mean, huge. Coming. I can hardly stand it. Let me tell you about it. Let me quote Matthew chapter 24 for you. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes, in divers places. Rexella, the Lord is about to come. He could come at any time. This thing in Japan is huge. I cannot say enough that my knowledge of the Bible has pinned it down to almost any minute. It is so exciting to live during the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Chuck, it's your turn to ask for donations. And that's Chuck Ullman who's been doing that for him for a long, long time since I was in junior high. 
What is wrong with Jack? Matthew 24 is 2,000 years too old to apply. Jesus said that whatever was in Matthew 24 happened during his generation, not Jack's. These earthquakes are actually quite normal. Haiti, Christchurch, Japan, earthquakes do happen. And they have happened before, and they will happen again. But the earthquakes in divers places happened in the 40 years between Matthew 24 and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. These events, like Haiti and Christchurch and Japan, don't really stand out much on a timeline. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, 4 is for us, and it's about Jack. It describes false teachers creeping into houses and leading captive silly women, and it describes men turning their ears away from the truth and being turned into fables. And all Jack does every night is try to take some current event from the newspaper and turn it into a fulfillment of some obscure verse, usually in Ezekiel. And that's his prophetic ministry. And he does not understand Bible prophecy even at the rudimentary level. What should we do? My brothers and sisters, our church, what should we do? Jesus tells us this. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Pilate had sent some Roman soldiers into the area of the Sea of Galilee and had killed some of the Galileans who were worshiping God. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? You know, that's a tendency to look at Japan and say Japan must be worse than everyone else. No, we're all sinners and we all deserve it. It was just a token judgment from him, like this was a token judgment of the Jews. Jesus asks the question because he knows what they're thinking. Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans. I tell you, nay, they are not different. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now please think about the context of this statement. Did he mean verse 3? Did verse 3 come to pass on those who did not repent? In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Repent and save yourselves from this untoward generation. So Jesus offers them another disaster. Jesus said in verse 4, Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell. We had the twin towers. They had the single tower. And slew them. 18 men died. When a tower fell on them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay. No, that is not the truth. But, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish, because we are all equally guilty. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, speaking of God's elect. 
We want to repent of any sin in our lives because we deserve that earthquake and tsunami as much as the Japanese. By nature. Let's make a difference in our lives so that we don't deserve it. By living out what He has worked in us. What should we do? Thank our God profusely for the truth. Thank God that we are not Shintos or Buddhists, but that we know the Lord Jehovah. Praise the Lord Jehovah for His goodness. Psalm 107, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men! Exclamation point. Look at how He's blessed us. What is the biggest problem in your life? It's not being homeless. It's not being without electricity in freezing temperatures. It's not having your whole city washed away. We want to reject efforts of 21st century sensationalism of these prophetic writers and preachers around us who want to make us think that they have got today's current events working up to the fulfillment of Daniel, Matthew, Thessalonians, and Revelation when the vast majority of all four books has been fulfilled already. We need to live every day like the truth of point one is important to us. We need to, as Jesus told us, repent. If we have any sin in our lives, or we could perish. That event, though it's on the other side of the earth, is incredibly real. And the photographs and video clips that you're able to watch at home show it to be real. But it could happen to us. It could happen to any nation. We want to be holy and righteous and virtuous before the Lord in the truth. We want to remember the six words from Psalm 4.4. These are the six words the Lord gave me that sum up how to view this great destruction and evil that He brought upon Japan. Do you know what those six words are? Could someone help me that might know that little verse? The first word is stand. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Stand in awe. Let's stand in awe of the Creator God who is jealous and expects to be worshipped and He does judge nations. And let's not sin. Let's be a holy people to the Lord our God. And let's pray for any of God's saints in Japan. We don't know who they are or where they are or how many there are. There's few. But let's pray for them. Let's pray for visitors to our website. 68 visitors from 40 different cities in Japan visited our website last month. Let's pray that we might be able to show some of God's elect in Japan, the truth of the gospel. Could we have the lights? Stand in awe and sin not. That destruction is awesome. It's worthy of standing in awe. What he can do with a little bit of water. He spoke all those deaths into being. The Mariana Trench, seven miles deep, isn't quite 30 feet. (coughs) Seven miles is 36,000 Feet, feet. There's a lot of water there. He made it all, and He uses it all for His honor and glory, 
and the punishment of nations that have rejected Him. And the Bible teaches us that. Let's all stand together and let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord for His people that are there and for us to be able to send the truth of the Bible to them and to other nations as well. Our Father in Heaven, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name and in whose book, the book of life of the Lamb slain, Thy elect are written. We pray for Your elect in Japan, that You would comfort them with great faith and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of Your Spirit and by the angels of Heaven. And Heavenly Father, take our website and use it even in that nation, so dark, so God-forsaken, and so God-rejected, that some of your people there might find the truth and rejoice in it. We thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that from the beginning you have chosen us to salvation from the strong delusion that damns men through sanctification of spirit and belief of the truth, because you loved us. We thank you that we were born here. We thank you that many of us were born to Christian parents. And we thank you for what, by whatever means, you have shown us the truth. Now, O Lord, let every one of us live it in private and in public. Let us repent of our known sins and follow hard after thee. We thank you for all that you've shown us. We thank you for tonight. Bless it to bear fruit in all of our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.